writer friends, and welcome to episode 16 of The Query Show. Uh, I've got a lot of new listeners listening, so uh, for those who don't know, my name's Blair Thornburg. I am an editor, author, and host of this podcast, my most important role. I do this as a way to share query critiques with the masses, to give feedback to individual authors, but also to anyone who listens, and that's probably why you're here. So, welcome. Today we have two romance queries. I love romance, so I'm very excited to dive in. So thank you to Sira and Michelle for sending in your queries. The way it works is that I read the queries and then I offer notes, basically what you would get if you sat down with an editor and agent at a conference, but on a podcast. So first up this week is Sira. Let's go. Okay, so first I'll read the entire query and then I'll go paragraph by paragraph and give some notes and thoughts. Dear Agent, Cynthia Locke has it all figured out. As an actuary, she calculated the odds she will meet her true love and it is never going to happen. That's okay. If they don't meet, he will never break her heart, leaving her free to travel earning six figures ensuring everything from the wrists to the tits of the rich and famous. As it happens, her next client will be her most famous to date. A Shakespearean actor, Richard Suda came to LA to make it big, but the cost of success is crushing him. He lost his privacy, he lost his carefree life, he even lost his ability to love when his ex sold the story of their sex life to the press. When Richard hears about the outrageous insurance policy his production company wants, it looks like he is about to lose his dignity too. When a brief full frontal makes his last film a titanic success, Richard's production company wants to insure his biggest asset. Not his acting talent, his Johnson. Richard is mortified. That is, until he meets the deliciously uptight appraiser, Cynthia. Will Cynthia seduce and betray Richard to get her dream promotion? Or will Richard convince her that he has the position she really wants? Notting Hill meets Roman Holiday in this sexy satire that asks big questions about sexual harassment, power, and fame. When I'm not writing, I am nerd-in-chief of a digital marketing agency for nonprofits. Since the age of five, I've made up romantic lines I would really like a boy to say to me. I haven't stopped since. This is the first in a series of big, tall British guy romances. Love Actuary is complete and available in full or partial manuscript. Thanks for your consideration. Sincerely, author. Okay, so with that title, what's not to love? But let's take it from the top. So I love this concept. Romance heroines with unusual and kind of geeky jobs are so much fun. Plus, there's something inherently funny and charming about the kind of romances where the hero or heroine uses science or their discipline to determine that they'll never find love. Sigh. Anyway, we learn a lot about Cynthia here, all very helpful and making her well-rounded. She's an actuary, she keeps a kind of tight grip on things, and she's guarded. We could stand to know a little more specifically about her goal, motivation, and conflict, though. Is this six-figure salary something she has or something that she's working towards? And if that's her goal, or if something else is, then why does she want it, i.e. what's her motivation? The conflict seems to be coming in the form of this new client, but it's hard to say for sure. And that's another thing I think can be improved. The phrase, as it happens, feels like it's equivocating a little. Someone who just falls into your lap as a client isn't nearly as intriguing as someone you're forced to take on to pay the bills, or as a favor for someone who did you a solid once, or because it was your dying mother's last wish, or, you know, you get the picture. 
Now, it may be that Cynthia does have an ironclad reason to take this client in the manuscript, and it doesn't have to get all spelled out here. Getting bogged down in the details of actuarial work would be a little trying. <laughs> but I do want to see how she's active here, either in getting this client or fighting against signing him until resistance is futile. Also, a very small note, but the characters' names are in all caps here, which isn't necessary. Again, use your imagination or look at the queries online. Some agents like capitalized names in synopses, which is the traditional formatting, but in a query letter, they can be set in standard case. And now we meet Shakespearean actor Richard Suda, which I just love that this is a pairing in a romance, an actuary and a Shakespearean actor. So this is another great paragraph that gets so much information across. The phrases, he lost, he lost, establish both a snappy rhythm and drive home the fact that, well, Richard has lost a lot of stuff. You can almost hear him ticking these things off on his fingers dejectedly to one of his friends. It's voicey. We also get a sense of his emotional wounds, his hole in the heart. He's lost his ability to love, and for good reason, a conniving ex. That makes him sympathetic. Now, at the end, we do get a when phrase that acts as a kind of action trigger, when Richard hears about the outrageous insurance policy, dot, dot, dot. And in principle, I like it. When phrases are great for showing cause and effect the way a story unfolds. However, I think this last sentence can get cut because it's basically repeated in the start of the next paragraph. And speaking of which, so the next paragraph, the first sentence is, when a brief full frontal makes his last film a Titanic success, Richard's production company wants to ensure his biggest asset. So I think this first sentence is just doing the same work as the last sentence of the previous paragraph, but this one is more specific. And in being more specific, it's funnier and more to the point. So my main note for this paragraph is to make it into two, because the last line of this paragraph is about how this book is Notting Hill meets Roman Holiday, but that information belongs in what I call the meta paragraph, the one that comes before the author's bio that's about the book. And this query doesn't actually have a meta paragraph. We need that paragraph to get things like the comps, but also the word count and the genre, which in this case is presumably romantic comedy, for the agent to have all that tombstone info. So break that out into a second paragraph. But homing in on this as the conclusion of the story portion of the query, there's a bit more I need to know in the plot summary. The idea that Cynthia has to seduce Richard for a promotion is hinging on something we haven't seen defined yet, her goal. Now we can surmise that she wants a promotion at this point, but how will seducing him and betraying him get her there? And for that matter, what does their working relationship look like? Again, not to get bogged down in actuarial details, but what's the glue that's keeping them together scene after scene, chapter after chapter? And when it comes to Richard, I want to see his backstory coming into play here, because we know a lot about it. Is Cynthia the one who's going to convince him true love is possible after all? Then we should hear about it. Generally, I just think the end of this plot summary is a bit rushed. All the pieces are there, but the author can afford to slow down and even explain a little. Sometimes it's fine to tell in a query as opposed to show. Then we get the bio and the fact that this is the first in a series of big, tall British guy romances. I think this is all very charming. Uh, the one thing the author could add to their bio is any professional affiliations or writing credits so far. Maybe they're a member of Romance Writers of America or something like that, or they've published a short story or even a nonfiction article elsewhere. I also don't think it's necessary to specify that this book is available in full or partial manuscript. 
Remember, an agent is going to assume your book is finished if you're querying it. And if it's finished, it can easily be sent as a few chapters, 50 pages, or all at once. So there's no need to specify that. That's just the beauty of Word documents and email. Thanks, Sierra. Hey, do you want to look at written versions of these queries just to make it easier to see all the notes? Just look at the show notes of this podcast and you'll see a link to each of the queries on the website. You get the access by becoming a patron of the show at a $3 level or above on Patreon. It helps pay for the hosting costs and just generally keep the podcast going and you get written versions of the critiques. So it's kind of a win-win. So you can check it out in the show notes on the website, thequeryshow.com or at patreon.com slash thequeryshow. All right, now it's time for query number two from Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. Dear agent, romance addict Marley's three-step plan to woo a tech executive veers wonderfully wrong when kissing her geeky fake date under the stars makes her question whether she wants a storybook prince or a real-life hero. Having grown up under the influence of fairy tales and romantic novels, San Francisco executive assistant Marley Rice thinks she's found her prince charming, GQ hot tech executive Cooper Fallon. She's loved him since the day they met on her first day at work, and he even gets along with her quirky, stargazing physics teacher dad. Too bad Cooper seems blind to her infatuation. But when Cooper invites his perfectly elegant BFF as his plus one at their friend's wedding and speculation arises that Cooper will soon take his own trip down the aisle, Marley devises a plan to woo him. Her own work BFF, geeky programmer Tyler, agrees to go as her date to try to make Cooper jealous. The plan backfires when a staged kiss turns into something more between Marley and Tyler under the starlight. Back at work, Marley tries to forget Tyler's kiss and salvage her plan by seducing Cooper while they're working late, but he shuts her down. And when her dad's quirkiness starts to look like dementia, it's Tyler, not Cooper, who comes to her rescue and helps her bring him home. By the time Marley opens her eyes to discover that a real-life hero is better than a storybook prince, she may have lost her chance at true love. Stars in Her Eyes is a 74,000-word standalone novel with series potential. It has shades of Emma and Christina Lawrence, my favorite half-night stand, plus the geeky humor of Penny Reed. An IT professional with an English language degree from university, I'm a member of RWA and its Contemporary Romance Writers chapter, as well as WFWA. I have attended the Antioch Writers Workshop and National RWA Conference. Thank you for your time. Regards, author. Okay, so we have romance addict Marley and a three-step plan to woo a tech executive. I love romance novels with romance addict heroes and heroines. It's such a fun over-the-top detail that seems to get them into trouble that's very delightful. So this first paragraph has a lot of information in it. All of it is useful and relevant, but it's a very dense paragraph. It's actually just one sentence, and I think it can get smoothed out so that it reads more easily. For example, the word veers here makes total logical sense, but it's just unusual enough of a choice in this context that I had to reread it to make sure I was fully grokking what was going on. Sometimes I don't notice these things in queries until I actually read them out loud, and I recommend that authors just try reading their queries out loud to see that they are easy to comprehend. Similarly, makes her question whether is a perfectly logical and well-written phrase, but it's a big long verb phrase that is just a lot to digest at once. So I might suggest a revision like, 
Romance addict Marley's three-step plan to woo a tech executive was going perfectly, until a kiss with her geeky fake date has her wondering whether she wants a storybook prince or a real-life hero. Now, the M-dash, which, again, you can't see, but imagine it or take a look at the website, helps break up the phrase visually and literally gives the eye a break. Never underestimate the power of a little whitish space. I also cut out under the stars in my revision, even though I know it's probably thematic and intentional given the title of the book. But it doesn't really add anything here beyond a name check for the title. And this early on in a query, you don't want to sacrifice clarity just to set up a callback. So now we learn a little bit more about Marley and Cooper, who she has a big old crush on. In this paragraph, I see a bit of a similar issue to paragraph one. The opening phrase, having grown up under the influence, is just a little clunky, even if it is grammatically correct. Also, it seems that a lot of this paragraph is covering similar information to paragraph one. And so I wonder whether we even need the first paragraph in this case. I wouldn't want to use storybook prince and prince charming in rapid succession either. It's not a direct echo or repetition per se, but they do sound very similar. I do love the adjective GQ hot though. It's voicey and it conjures up a great specific look in my mind's eye. Also, it's best to avoid phrases like blind to her infatuation or deaf to her desires or anything similar that uses disability as a metaphor. It's easy enough to find a different phrase like totally unaware, so simple fix. Now we have Cooper inviting his elegant BFF to a wedding and Marley devising a plan to fake a relationship with Tyler. So this paragraph opens with my beloved, but when X, then Y phrasing. When Cooper invites his perfectly elegant BFF, speculation arises, Marley devises a plan. It's cause and effect, I love it. But I am gonna get nitpicky because in this case, there are actually two effects, the speculation arising about Cooper getting married and then Marley's plan to seduce him, following one cause, Cooper inviting his BFF as a plus one. Side note here, I'm guessing his BFF is a woman or someone who seems to be a potential romantic partner for him. That doesn't feel fully clear. When I think BFF, I think just a platonic friend. Anyway, I would break the two effects apart so that we get something like, but when Cooper invites his elegant BFF as a date to their friend's wedding, speculation arises that he himself will be headed down the aisle soon. Devastated that she might lose him, Marley hatches a plan, make him jealous and win him for good. I do think, too, that the author should be a bit more specific of what the plan to woo him entails. That's why I suggested make him jealous. Because it's clearly not as straightforward as just ask him out. That's not really what her plan is. And to that end, I think the sentence about Tyler needs to get flipped around. So rather than Tyler being the grammatical subject agreeing to a date, I think I want Marley to be the actor here, just to drive home that she's creating this plan. Finally, I think a good but would help in the last line. B-U-T, not B-U-T-T, you weirdos. But the plan backfires, or even better, but Marley never expected a staged kiss to become something more, or something like that, just to imply that it's a reversal of fortune. Now we have Marley and Cooper back at work, but Cooper shuts her down, and then Tyler helps her out with her dad. I mean, I love that Tyler shows himself to be the true prince of the story. That said, I would recommend the author really only use this storybook prince or prince charming phrase once in the query. It's fun and it seems suited to her romantic personality, but it can also skew cliche in a romance, and so a little goes a long way. Now the first sentence here makes me wonder about the timeline. Back at work, Marley tries to forget Tyler's kiss. It sounds like a series of actions that occur all in one scene. 
It seems like we've gone right from the fake kiss to back at work and then Marley is shut down by Cooper. So how long are Tyler and Marley faking their relationship? In other words, what does the bulk of the narrative of this story show happening? What are the montage parts? Is there enough going on to sustain the full length of a novel? That's probably the case, because there is a full novel behind this query, but I need to know what happens in that body of the story. Finally, I wonder a bit about Tyler. Beyond being geeky and kind enough to help her dad, I don't feel like I have a sense of his emotional identity. What is he lacking that Marley can provide? Where is their point of mutual connection? She's clearly asking and getting a lot from him, doing all these favors and helping with her dad, but I don't quite see the reverse. Romance is a two-way street, so even if this book is told only from the heroine's point of view, we need to understand why the hero would fall for her as much as vice versa. Then we get a meta-paragraph and a bio-paragraph. These are both great. The about the book section has some good comps and the word count, and the bio contains some professional writing groups and a little about the author's non-writing life. The one thing I have to wonder about is series potential. Now, if your book is part of a planned series, I recommend saying series potential, as I've discussed in many other episodes. But in romance, I wonder, does that mean this author has other books about Marley and Tyler planned? Romance usually ends with a happily ever after, or happy for now, and so it doesn't typically lend itself to multiple volumes about the same people. So I'm wondering if maybe the author meant that there are other novels planned in the same world, maybe expanding on secondary characters? But then again, we don't really meet any other secondary characters by name, so that's also kind of hard to say. In short, I think the author could specify a bit more what they mean by series potential here. Then a nice sign-off. Very well done. Thanks, Michelle. This sounds delightful. have it, episode 16, all about romance, which I hope you love. As always, you can find all of our past episodes at thequeryshow.com, as well as sign up for our newsletter and get a free query workbook to help you draft your own query, and submit your query for the show. I always need new queries because it's literally the only way to make this show happen. Another great place to chat, like I mentioned, is our Patreon, where we have good discussions going on about the querying life and some excellent bonus episodes with me talking about various aspects of query stuff and publishing, but also interviews with publishing professionals who are kind of smarter than me and have a lot more interesting things to say than I do week to week. So I definitely recommend checking it out. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week and write well.